0: Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I've been working like a slave for you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is one of those most familiar passages for those of us who read a lot in the Gospels who grew up going to church. I've had this text before and preached on it. So often we hear this story we know as the prodigal son and we cast the prodigals as those others, those who are not here, those who have made different choices from us, those who are away from Jesus that's important it's a challenge for us to hear that the challenge in that scenario is for us to become as generous as the loving father in the parable to those whom we meet that we judge as prodigals and when we do that in fact it enriches our faith it helps us extend a warmer welcome to those who are coming for the first time or those who are coming back It can enrich our faith and make us better Christians to understand that part of the story. Yet as I was reading over this text again and again these last couple of weeks, preparing for our time here this morning, it began to speak to me from an entirely different angle than any way I'd ever thought about it before. A question came to me. What if we are the prodigal? What if we are the ones who have wandered or strayed and been away? Maybe it's because it's the season of Lent that I think of that, and as we're invited to think of our own sin, to do some self-examination and repentance in our own lives. Or maybe it was because last week the parable we had from Jesus kind of began to have me think about this in a different way. If you were here, you might remember that in that parable, Jesus says there's a man walking into a vineyard. And in the vineyard are fig trees that he's planted. And one particular fig tree he walks up to and sees the tree. It's a mature tree, but it has no fruit on it. It's not bearing fruit. And so the man walking in the vineyard says, Cut it down, it's wasting soil. But there is a gardener there. And the gardener says, no, uh, not yet. Wait for a year. I'll fertilize it. I'll cultivate it around the roots. We'll see if we can get it to grow, to see if it can bear fruit. Give me one more year. And I suggested there were different ways to look at those characters in the parable. But the one that I thought we might consider is the one that, had us as the person walking in the vineyard and the tree that we are examining is our life and i followed that train of thinking because in that story just before the parable is told jesus says two times to the people who are there unless you repent unless you repent he's talking to them about their own repentance so i began to think maybe The story is for us to think about our own lives, to do that self-examination and repentance that Jesus is calling for. And Jesus could be the gardener offering to help us grow spiritually. Jesus could be the one saying to us, give me one year. Let me help you grow spiritually. Help me cultivate your roots so that they might grow deep into God. Let me add some fertilizer and see what kind of spiritual fruit your life can bear. Of course, that's the beauty of the parables, but it's also the vexing thing about them. Jesus tells them, but he never says, this is how you interpret them. He never gives us the one right answer, in fact, the whole purpose of the parables is to engage us, to invite us to explore what we think, to look at our life and our faith and see how we're doing, to see what we're thinking, what decisions we are making, what kind of behavior we're exhibiting as followers of Christ. So for this parable today, explore with me this possibility just for a few moments, that we might be the prodigals. Once that idea came to me, there were a whole series of questions I asked. Have I ever been greedy? When was the time I wandered away? Have I ever strayed? Have I squandered an inheritance, financial or spiritual? As I asked myself those questions, I could think of examples where I had to say, yes, that has been me. But of course, when I was thinking of my life, I quickly began to rationalize why that was. I could explain that one away. Oh, that one really wasn't my fault. That one wasn't really so bad. Surely God forgives me. And just as Dr. Tankersley was praying for us this morning, it's so easy to deceive ourselves, to let ourselves off the hook. Say, oh, my sin's not as bad as theirs, so let's look at them. But perhaps the parable is inviting us to look at ourselves. I thought of that old notion that goes something like this, when it comes to ourselves, we seek mercy when it comes to others we seek judgment a friend of mine sent me a poem recently that speaks to this it goes like this i was shocked confused bewildered as i entered heaven's door not by the beauty of it all nor the lights or its decor but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gas the thieves the liars the sinners the alcoholics and the trash there stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice herb who i always thought was rotting away in hell was sitting pretty on cloud nine looking incredibly well i nudged jesus and said what's the deal i would love to hear your take how'd all these sinners get up here God must have made a mistake and why is everyone so quiet so somber give me a clue hush child he said they're all in shock no one thought they'd be seeing you So what if we are the ones who have strayed, who have been greedy, who have wandered? What if we're the ones who have been wasteful? What if we're the prodigals? Well, here's the good news, that as Jesus tells the story, there's this twist after he tells us about this son who goes away and wastes it all and comes home in rags All of a sudden, this father is not chastising the son, not degrading him, not putting him down, not judging him. Jesus says this father sees him coming a long way off while he's still down the road. And the father begins to run toward him to welcome him home and runs out there and throws his arms around him, hugs him tight and begins to kiss him. It's a great welcome. It's a welcome any of us would want after we've wandered away or made a mistake. After any time that we have not been the Christian that we wanted to be. Lloyd Ogilvie, who was the longtime chaplain for the United States Senate, writes about this parable. He says in his mind, it has the wrong name. He says it should be called the parable of the prodigal God. The parable of the prodigal God. Now that doesn't sound quite right to us, but he says, have you ever looked up the definition of prodigal in the dictionary? He says the first one is there, extremely wasteful. That's the one that we know. But he said, did you ever notice there's a second definition? Another definition under the word prodigal. And it says, extremely generous, lavish to overflowing. And he says, which character in this parable exhibits that kind of behavior, that kind of character? He says, well, of course, it's God. Extravagant with love, lavish with mercy, overflowing with compassion. Jesus Paints this portrait of this God who is so gracious, so loving, so ready to forgive that he runs to us anytime we turn to him. You can see how Ogilvy would think perhaps we've missed the point when we say the prodigal son. Maybe we should think of it as the parable. Of the prodigal God and you can see this extravagance as Jesus gives you all these details about what the father does when the son comes back down the road right there in verse 22 as soon as the boys come back he says quickly bring out a robe the best one and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate and i begin to think of the extravagance that jesus is pointing to here i have a friend who raises a beef he's a rancher i got in touch with him this week and said what about a fatted calf today how much would that be he said oh i was just at auction this week It'd be somewhere just over $1,500 probably. Wow, what a meal they're going to have. An extravagant step this father takes when he says, kill the fatted calf. But it's not only that. He says, bring out a robe, the best one. That would be a suit today. That could be $1,000 or several thousand, depending on where you were purchasing the suit. Then he says, bring a ring. And depending on the design and how much gold in it, that could be a100 dollars or several thousand dollars. He says, "Bring out sandals and put them on his feet." We could think dress shoes today. Again, we're at a100 dollars or maybe several hundred dollars. As I begin to add up the extravagance that Jesus describes, I'm thinking we're at least at 3,000, maybe at10,000 dollars or more. This is going to be quite a party. This is quite a celebration. This is an extravagant gesture of welcome from the Father to the Son who has been gone, but has now returned. It reminded me of a different passage in the Gospel where Jesus is watching a crowd of people and says to his disciples, these folks are like sheep without a shepherd wandering lost but then the gospel writer tells us that jesus had compassion upon them it's the same word that's used in this parable compassion with feeling even before this crowd repents that jesus is looking at He has compassion, or he feels with them. He understands they are lost. He understands their pain. He understands that they need some help. And he has compassion on them. In this parable, it's in verse 20, it tells us that the son has set off to come back home. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. When the boy gets there, he doesn't ask him to repent. He doesn't chastise him. He embraces him. Apparently, Jesus thinks that any time any of us turn back toward God or begin to move toward God, that that is repentance. Repent, to turn, to change one's direction. To turn or return and move toward God is repentance. And Jesus is saying that whenever a sinner, even if it might be us, turns or returns to God, that we are going home and we're going to be welcomed. Jesus is saying God Is like this father and is ready to welcome us the good news here is that the God that Jesus is describing wants to be with us with each and every one of us wants to draw us close and embrace us even if we have fouled up this God wants to be with us can you believe that God really wants to be with you Given any and everything you may have done or thought, even if you are a prodigal, that God wants to be with you. That's the good news of the gospel, is that indeed Jesus is saying in this parable, God is there for you. God wants you to be close God wants to be with you. You can even see it with this last part about the older son coming home. Now, he's none too happy that this younger sibling of his has come back after he's wasted all the money. He's been gone. He's not been there to help with the chores, to help with anything. And now he's back, and there's a party. And so he's ready to give his father a piece of his mind. And he begins to blast him as soon as the father comes out. But notice this. Not only does the father go down the road for the younger son, he leaves the party and goes outside and goes to the older son. And once the older son is finished with his complaining, then in verse 31 the parable says, Then the father said to him, Son, You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. God wants to be with both of them. They've both disrespected him. He's treated both of them with love. He offers love to both of them again, even when it does not appear that they should be receiving it God is offering it anyway the two parables that we did not read out of this 15th chapter of Luke that come just before this one both are about things that were lost and then found and both end as this one does with Jesus says there's gonna be joy there's gonna be rejoicing Anytime anything is lost and is found in the kingdom economy, it's time for a party. It's time to celebrate. There's going to be rejoicing in heaven, and there should be joy in the hearts of all of those who care, because something that is lost has been found. Something that was dead and gone has come again and is now with them. Any time we reunite with God, any time we reconnect with God, there is joy and celebration in God's heart. It should be a clue to us of who our God is and how our God loves us. We're all going to have opportunity to participate in communion in just a few moments. Maybe we should remember the clues But this parable gives us today, we have the Father out on the road filled with compassion. Amen.